0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to live with post millennial Doug. (laughs) Not willing to take that label yet. You keep trying Martin. Good morning, everyone. Glad you're with us. We are thinking through God's word together. We are continuing our study of Isaiah. And we're in this uh, section of oracles in you know, started back in what chapter 13, maybe 12. 13, I think it was, and uh, we we saw a lot of, so far, we've, we've encountered a lot of sort of positive oracles, if you will, of of God revealing that, uh, yes, judgment is coming, but there's the day, the day, that day uh, coming, Messiah is coming, and so on. And then now we're entering this stretch where it's a little more sobering and uh, not as much of the uh, the hopeful for a little bit here. And today we have a Babylon uh oracle again. We've already seen one. I think this is a different one, but I, I want to start by I mean I know it's a different one. I think it's uh, a different time in uh in uh, Babylon's history. But I will start with a couple of other uh places. So Rev uh sorry. I am I'm a little distracted here. Um in Isaiah 46 pull that up here, uh, passage that we, we may, you may know uh, from other studies. Isaiah 46 says this, remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I'm God, there's no one like me. Well, why are you saying that, God? What, what makes you different from all the others? Well, and here's what he says, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. I don't know about you, but when I when I quote that, when I read that, when I think about that, uh, God saying, you know, this is why I'm the one true God and you shouldn't trust the idols and so on because... I can declare the end from the beginning. God knows everything. He's working everything together uh, according to his purpose, the counsel of his his will, and and those kinds of things, right? And we tend to think, I tend to think at least, about Jesus and the the big picture there that he was planning for the the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus kind of thing. And that's, of course, true, and that is the big one. But we're going to see today... There are everything, everything God brings about according to his purposes and his plan. He knows the future that is comforting and it's amazing to think about. And I know uh, probably many of you would say you believe that. And it might even talk about the omniscience of God and those kind of things. But to really stop and just ponder the fact that God is sovereignly in control of all things. He knows how the rest of your day is going to play out. He knows what the next days, weeks, months, years for the United States of America or Great Britain or any other nation on earth is. He knows what's going to go on with the... um, the war in Ukraine, all of that. God declares the end from the beginning. And today we're going to see uh, God declaring what's going to happen in the future with Babylon as a, uh, a means of instruction and and warning for the Jews. So that's just kind of a, a broad picture is on my mind as I was thinking about this uh, oracle today. The other thing is Revelation 18.1. I know some of you are hoping that we will do a study of Revelation one of these days, and maybe we will. But here is a, uh, a statement in Revelation that draws from our passage today. And we're not gonna try to tie them together. I just want you to, to see the, that what we uh, find in Isaiah, this some of this language is used in Revelation. Says after I after these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory and he cried mightily with a loud voice saying Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And has become a dwelling place of demons a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication the kings of the earth have committed fornication. With her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her uh, luxury and so on. So this idea of Babylon falling is uh, grabbed from several places in the prophets, but it's, but especially here in Isaiah 21. Okay, so let's get to the oracle at hand. I want to start at the end because as I'll describe for you, this is a, a very difficult oracle to to de- determine and, and uh, conclude uh, what what's envisioning, wh- which time period. Uh, so let me show you. So Isaiah 21, nine says, "'Now behold, here comes a troop of riders, "'horsemen in pairs, and one said, "'Fallen, fallen is Babylon, "'and all the images of her gods are shattered on the ground.'" So you see, uh, th- there's, a, there's this troop, right? Horsemen here coming in pairs and they have this declaration, Babylon has fallen and they're telling somebody that all the gods, all the images, all the uh, the idols of Babylon have been destroyed. So that's, that's how this vision ends. And then Isaiah says, oh, my threshold, uh, my threshed people, my afflicted of the threshing floor, What I have heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I make known to you. So that's interesting because the end of this oracle is Isaiah writing to a people, his people, who he describes them as threshed and uh, afflicted on the threshing floor. They've been beaten down. This is consistent with everything else that we've been seeing that God is going to bring judgment on Judah and it's going to hurt and you think if you know what threshing is it's it's separating the wheat from the chaff kind of thing and and they used various means but you know stomping uh, pounding different ways to to do that so it's going to be bad news for the Jews but he wants them to know I, Isaiah says I heard this the Lord of armies the Lord of hosts he gave me this vision he he gave me this message and I'm making it known to you so the question is why? Why is Isaiah wanting Judah to know this message? So this is going to be, as we've already seen, this is going to be the fall of Jerusalem, uh, fall of Babylon. Um, the question is, which fall of Babylon? It's easy to think this is the big one. Uh, when the Medes and the Persians came and destroyed them, uh, you've got the scene in, in Daniel, for instance, and uh, that, that you are probably familiar with the handwriting on the wall and so on. Um, I don't think so. I don't think that's what this is getting at. Uh, so when we think of the sweep of history uh, around this time period, uh, we typically, I typically categorize things as uh, you've got the Assyrians coming down on the Northern Kingdom, and then the Babylonians conquer the Assyrians and everybody else. Then the Medo-Persians come and conquer the whole world. Then the Greeks come and conquer the whole world. And then the Romans conquer the whole world, right? These huge kingdoms that just continue to, uh, one after another, destroy everything and and conquer it, I should say, not destroy everything. And uh, and we see that in Daniel and so on. But realize there's more going on. Those are are the, the big victories, the big empires. But in the meantime, there's lots of other skirmishes and back and forth. Assyria and Babylon went at it several times uh, before Assyria really gained the upper hand. And then Babylon came with a, with a vengeance with, with Nebuchadnezzar and they gained the upper hand and defeated Assyria. So it wasn't like Assyria with no opposition and then Babylon with no opposition. It, it, it's not quite like that. So what I think is the setting for this and I'm not going to try to prove this to you. You can, you know, if you read commentaries and different uh, different books, you're going to find a couple different possibilities here. But I'm going to just tell you what I think it is. I think this is the time when Assyria is uh, is threatening and Babylon, before it becomes the great Babylon, um, is it's still pretty strong at this point. And they are pushing back against Assyria. And everybody is trying to get alliances. We, we've seen this already with uh, Egypt, Assyria, Philistia. You know, the Judah, they want Judah, they want Israel. They all want these other nations to come alongside them and form a resistance to whoever is coming. So I think Babylon here is convinced that it can... Uh, overcome, it can, it can throw off Assyria and not be conquered by Assyria. and it is seeking the alliance of Judah to help uh, fight off Assyria. And I think this is in Hezekiah's day, Hezekiah was the son of Ahaz. We've already seen Ahaz. Uh, he made a he, he was a wicked man, made a poor decision, refused to receive the sign. Uh, that God was going to give him. Well, this is his son, Hezekiah. And uh, and a, a um, envoy from Babylon is coming to Hezekiah saying, hey, join up with us and let's resist Assyria. And Isaiah is warning Hezekiah, don't do it. Because if you do, you will be aligning with a kingdom or at least a nation that is about to fall. Does that make sense? Uh, Martin says, "Do you look at the book of Revelation from omnilist idealist eschatology viewpoint?" I am still sorting through my view of Revelation, so that's part of why we're doing the study because so many uh, passages in Revelation appeal to the to the prophets. And I thought, well, let's just go through and get a good handle on some of the prophets, and then we'll see where we land on Revelation. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I I mean, if you put a gun to my head and I was forced to to make a decision, um, I'm not a mill, so I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't go there. Um, I lean a little bit some days toward Revelation being mostly about the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., but uh, so much of that depends on the dating of the writing of the Book of uh, Revelation, and I'm not convinced entirely whether it was before or after 70 A.D. So. You can ask more questions, but I'll probably push you off because that's just a huge, huge concept for now. Okay, so let's get to the uh, Isaiah 21. The oracle concerning the wilderness of the sea, which as we now know, because we looked at the end of the story, this is Babylon. As wind storms in the Negev sweep on, Negev is the southern southern area there, uh, it comes from the wilderness from a terrifying land. So it begins with this ominous. It's a a desert and there's these windstorms, which uh, the Palestinians would have known well, uh, windstorms that sweep up through the wilderness kind of thing and and they're no good. They're harsh, uh, but it's coming from a terrifying land. So there's something coming and, and you can just sense the ominous element here. And Isaiah says, a harsh vision has been shown to me. The treacherous one, deals treacherously, the destroyer destroys. So based on what we'll see here in a minute, when Isaiah is going to say, I longed for the twilight of Assyria, I I longed for this, this nation Sennacherib, the leader of Assyria coming down, I longed for his destruction, right? Because they, they, they're going to conquer, uh, depending on when this is written, uh, I think this is probably after the fall of the northern kingdom, and and they're pressing in on Judah, and so Isaiah's saying, I long for the, uh, this traitor, this treacherous one, this destroyer, I long for him himself to be destroyed. He longs for Assyria to be conquered. So that's that's the vision he's seeing. Is uh, this the Assyria is continuing to march on and destroy nations, and they're pressing in on Judah. And now we hear from Babylon, and uh, the Babylonian king at this time would have been uh, Merodach Baladan. If you know your history, you might know a little bit about that guy. Uh, he says, "Go up, Elam, lay siege Media." i have made an end of all the groaning she has caused so assyria continues to do its thing but the king of babylon says i got this i got this and at this point this is before media the medes and persians are joined together again i think that's all future so this is now media is on babylon's side and and uh, the king is saying i got this i'm going to send folks from elam and media and they're going to overthrow the assyrians And again, the idea is for for Judah, for Hezekiah to join with Elam and Media and Babylon and push off the Assyrians. And Isaiah, what he sees is devastating to him. Again, look how he started verse two, a harsh vision has been shown to me. And now verse three, for this reason, my loins are full of anguish. Pains have seized me like the pains of a woman in labor. I am so bewildered, I cannot hear, so terrified, I cannot see. My mind reels. Horror overwhelms me. The twilight I longed for has been turned for me into trembling. That's the twilight I was talking about. He so wanted Assyria to be defeated. But what he sees in this vision that God has given him, it's mind-numbing in its horror. We, We do have a little bit of the historical record of when Sennacherib in 689 BC, conquered Babylon. It was devastating. It was awful. Uh, they went in with uh, no restraint and the, the, the kind of language that is used of, dis- of conquering Babylon there in 689, it's the kind of language that would cause someone like Isaiah watching in, the, in his mind's eye, watching this vision that God gave him of just the slaughter of everyone in Babylon. So I think it's what's happening here. So Isaiah sees this. So there's, a, uh, uh, again, a group sent, uh, ambassadors sent to try to recruit Hezekiah and Judah to join with Babylon And what Isaiah is saying is, don't do it, Hezekiah. I've seen the end. The one who declares the end from the beginning, he has shown me this is what's going to happen to Babylon. And as awful as Assyria is, you don't want to be aligned with Babylon because their end is coming and it's going to be horrendous. And what's happening back in Judah is they're inviting the ambassadors in and they're throwing this, this party as, uh, as uh, Merodach Baladin seeks to, uh, to j- get them to join forces. He says, they set the table, they spread out the cloth, they eat, they drink. Rise up, captains, oil the shields. So Hezekiah is entertaining this and he thinks it sounds like a good idea to join up with Babylon. And uh, they're having a big feast with the ambassadors, and saying, "Yeah, let's let's do this. It's going to be going to be good." Isaiah says, "No. For thus the Lord says to me, Go. Station the lookout. Let him report what he sees." So again, this is Isaiah saying, "This is what I was told by the Lord. He, he gave me this vision, told me to to go set up a lookout. Uh, someone whose job it was to go up on a high place, and they were trained." to look far and discern very quickly uh, what was coming. You remember later on, we're going to see uh, this famous passage where, uh, where it talks about the, the feet of the one who brings good news. And the image there is of this, this lookout, the this scout who is trained. And if, they, if the people ran a certain way, if the, if the messengers ran a certain way, uh, it meant defeat, and if they ran light, light-footed and, and fast, it meant uh, victory and good news. They were bringing good news. The same kind of thing here. Go station that lookout, uh, a trained man who is bold and and will speak truth. Because if you you want information, you can count on. If you're a king, and you you send in uh, reconnaissance uh, soldiers, you send someone on the lookout. You want what you right? You want the accurate information. If this is a strong nation that's going to conquer you, you want to know that. If they are a weak nation, if they're coming in victory, you want to know that? If they're coming in defeat, you want to know that? So he says, go station the lookout. Go tell someone, go, go, uh, send someone who will tell what he sees. And when he sees riders, horsemen in pairs, train of donkeys, a train of camels, let him pay close attention, very close attention, and see what what this parade is. Is this a parade of the conquered or conquerors? Then the lookout called, and interesting, the, literally here, it's the one like a lion. So these, again, these lookouts have to be bold and brave and willing to, to say what they've seen. O oh Lord, I stand continually by day on the watchtower and am stationed every night at my guard post. Now behold, here comes the troop of riders, horsemen in pairs. And one said, fallen, fallen is Babylon. And all the images of her gods are shattered on the ground. O oh, my threshed people, my afflicted of the threshing floor, what I have heard, Isaiah says, from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I make known to you. So again, you see the uh, the warning here is, don't side up with Babylon because she's going to be defeated. Uh, leading back in pairs the horsemen they're they're coming back um, with uh, with these two groups and and probably it's they're leading pairs of horses without riders which mean they've killed everybody and now they're bringing uh, the, the these extra horses back because they're going to use them now in their their army so that's what I think is uh, is going on in this oracle in which case we have here a A warning shot to God's people, don't side with Babylon. Now, pretty simple. Uh, Again, I find this interesting on a couple levels. One is there in the book of Revelation as uh, whatever the time frame, Martin, whatever time frame this is, whatever that's describing. uh, Again, we see this over and over and over again. The vision that John sees grabs images from the Old Testament prophets. And they're not, we're not to look at it like a direct fulfillment. That's not the language that's used in Revelation. Instead, it's grabbing familiar um, events and, and locations and people and objects and, and grabbing them and now putting them in a picture that communicates some association with what they already knew from the Old Testament prophets. At least that's what I think is going on in uh, Revelation. So when John sees and hears the angel saying Babylon has fallen, there are some association with Isaiah 21 and other places, but it's not a fulfillment. I hope you can understand what I'm talking about there. Again, since we're not really studying Revelation, then uh, we'll, we'll save that for another time. The other thing is God knows, and we, we can take comfort in this as God's people. With all that's happening in our nation, that's all that's happening. Uh, that's that's alarming. All the uh, the hard things. God knows, God's in control. God's working out His plan, and we can certainly heed the warning here. Don't make alliances with with the world, with evil empires, uh, even when persecution comes. Um, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord to care for His own. All right. So uh, we got done a little bit early here. Um, There's really nothing else that uh, I'm compelled to say about that. Uh, Are there any lingering questions that uh, you have? I know Martin's going to want to go post-mill or Revelation. I'm probably going to deflect those at this point. Uh, Any other questions about (laughs) Isaiah or anything else we've covered in Isaiah? Or do you want to call it a day a little bit early? I'll give you just a a moment here to... uh, To to see because I know there's a slight delay, but it's okay to get done early too. Uh, I know we've got plenty of things to do going on uh, these days. Um, All right. I'm not seeing anything and uh, you're probably typing just about the time that I log off. Your question will come through, but I'm going to take that chance. Have a great day in the Lord. Trust the Lord. Know that he's all in control of all things. And uh, we'll come back tomorrow and continue on with Isaiah. Take care.